Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today, we're going to talk about Trump's options to avoid legal accountability quickly evaporating. And I interview Senator Amy Klobuchar about some major news regarding the government's ability to negotiate lower drug prices, when these lower prices go into effect, and how the government actually saves money by doing so. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen, and you're listening to No Lie. And just like that, another Trump lifeline seems to have evaporated. So Mark Meadows tried to get his case removed from state court to federal court. That's Fulton County to federal court arguing that because he was a federal official acting on behalf of Donald Trump, who was also a federal official, that that was grounds to be tried in federal court. And what happened here would be important because if Mark Meadows was able to get his case removed to the federal system, then that would bode well for Trump, whose Hail Mary play here is clearly going to be trying the same thing. So all eyes were on Mark Meadows here and this decision only to find that a federal judge, that's Judge Steve Jones, rejected Meadows' effort to remove this to federal court. I'm going to read a short excerpt from what Judge Jones wrote, quote, the court concludes that Meadows has not shown that the actions that triggered the state's prosecution related to his federal office. Meadows participation on the January 2nd, 2021 call was political in nature and involved the president's private litigation, neither of which are related to the scope of the office of White House chief of staff. The court finds that these contributions to the phone call with Secretary Raffensperger went beyond those activities that are within the official role of the White House chief of staff, end quote. So in other words, Yes, Meadows was a federal official, but in order for this case to be removed to federal court, his actions would have had to be under the scope of his official duties as White House chief of staff and uh, trying to help his boss undermine an election so that he could anoint himself the winner with the help of his criminal enterprise ain't part of his official duties. So, no, you don't get the benefit of having been a federal official when you are currently on trial for abusing that office. So, yes, Meadows will have to endure a trial in Fulton County, Georgia, as he should. But more important is what it says about the inevitable Trump effort also to remove this trial to federal court. Just this past week, Trump's attorneys submitted a filing that he may seek to remove the case to federal court, which is nonsense. You don't submit filings to say you may do something. You either do them or you don't. But obviously, he's going to request this removal. And while Judge Jones made clear that the Meadows decision only impacted Mark Meadows, it obviously doesn't bode well for Trump. Like, think about it. If a judge found that Meadows' actions weren't within the scope of his duties while assisting Trump, then how could the guy who directed those actions, how could Trump be any different? So again, look, anything can happen, but this really isn't a good sign for Trump in his effort to remove this case to federal court. And by the way, not for nothing, but even if Trump was successful in removing this case to federal court, that still doesn't mean he'd be able to pardon himself. The trial would still be for state charges. It would still be prosecuted by Fawny Willis and the Fulton DA's office. Uh, The only difference is that the case itself would be tried in federal court with a different jury. And that's the goal here. Like Trump and his acolytes want a jury pool that's not so blue like the one they have in Fulton County, which I mean, I'll bet they do. But I'd offer that one good way to avoid a blue jury pool is to maybe not commit crimes in jurisdictions with blue jury pools. That's uh, probably where I'd start. So at this point, Trump's options in court are dwindling. In Florida, Mar-a-Lago's IT manager has already flipped on him. In Fulton County, a bunch of fake electors and Mark Meadows have all signaled that their defense will be to throw Trump under the bus in their trials. Uh, Also in Fulton County, the trial will be starting in earnest, at least with Kenneth Cheesebro and possibly Sidney Powell literally next month. 
In D.C., where Trump is the only defendant, that trial is starting only eight weeks after the date requested by Jack Smith. All of these trials are on track to be completed and, if necessary, sentenced before the 2024 election. And it's all but certain that Trump will be in a courtroom more than the campaign trail for the first half of 2024. And if you think that that's bad, when it comes to the second half of 2024, he may very well be spending that time in a prison cell, depending on the verdicts from these trials. So is Trump consolidating support from the Republican base? Sure. Uh, His poll numbers are going up in the Republican primary right now. Is that going to help him if he's a convicted felon? Is that going to help him expand his base of support in 2024 beyond what it was in 2020? Is it going to help attract independents and young people and suburban moms? I mean, not on this planet. So we'll continue to watch these cases unfold, and I'm certain that we'll continue to watch Trump's efforts at evading accountability fail. So he may blame everyone else for his problems, but if he really wants to find the person responsible, he should probably start with himself. Next up is my interview with Senator Amy Klobuchar. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis. Go green with solar panels or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Now we've got Senator Amy Klobuchar. Thanks so much for taking the time. Well, thanks, Brian. It is wonderful to be on again. So we just celebrated the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Your bill served as the basis for the provision in that law that allowed Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. This is something that Democrats have been trying to do since forever. Uh, Now, the list of drugs uh, whose prices can be negotiated was finally released. What drugs were chosen and how were they chosen? Okay, so first of all, it's not quite forever, but about two decades ago, the big pharma companies got this sweetheart deal written into law that you can't negotiate prices for 50 million Americans, which, by the way, for people who aren't seniors who happen to be listening, it sets the tone and the amount for a lot of other drug negotiations as well. So it's going to make a difference for anyone. So what did they do? Well, they chose blockbuster drugs that were set at what I believe are artificially high rates. Um, Drugs like Xarelto for blood clots, drugs like Eliquis for blood clots, diabetes, just those two I just mentioned, nearly 5 million people use them. Drugs like Jardians, Genuvia, uh, those are diabetes drugs. So here's the uh, unbelievable statistic. Those 10 drugs they picked for different psoriasis, blood cancers, (laughs) Last year, up to 9 million seniors spent 3.4, ready, billion in out-of-pocket costs for these 10 drugs. So can you imagine what we can do when we start adding 15 more drugs, which is next year, 15 more drugs, then the next year, 20 more drugs. And so this idea, I mean, I would like to do even more sooner, but this is the negotiation, what happened. but 
we're finally going to unleash the power of Medicare to negotiate, which just doesn't help seniors. It's going to help everyone. When you say that Medicare will be able to negotiate lower drug prices, is there still the possibility that these pharmaceutical companies can figure out a way not to negotiate in good faith or not to put our prices on par with what the rest of the world would pay when they negotiate lower prices? Yeah, it's like 250% more we're paying, by the way, while our taxpayers are investing in the research. Is there a way they could manipulate? Well, I'm sure they're going to do every way to find something. Right. Uh, clearly an astute question. However, right now, number one is they're suing in court. They've got nine lawsuits going on, all these high-priced lawyers. They have three lobbyists for every member of Congress. That's why with the president's leadership, we were finally able, he's the first president that got this done despite all the talk by everyone else. Um, and um, they also are spending hundreds of million dollars, have spent, will spend in ad campaigns. So let me tell you how they manipulate. They manipulate with this sweetheart provision that we're now taking on. They also manipulate with a patent system. So what they do is they get a drug locked in for a long period of time. And then they make a tiny little change, tiny little change. It's called a uh, product hopping. So they has this, they make a change to it and then they say, oh, it's a new patent. Now we're locked in for 10 more years. So we actually passed a bill out of judiciary bipartisan to deal with that. They file sham petitions to stop it. Senator Grassley and I have a bill to stop that. And then this is the real unbelievable part. Major pharmaceutical companies pay off generics, their competition, to keep their products off the market. It's called pay for delay. And Senator Grassley and I also have a bill. All of these came through Judiciary Committee in the last few months. Not an easy committee to get bills through, as you know. Um, and we did that. So now those are headed to the floor. So I think taking them on in their lawsuits, which the administration is doing, the Justice Department, continuing to implement this and be very strong in negotiations. And then, as you point out, looking at the other ways they're getting around it um, by passing these bills, you got to, it's not just one size fits all. That's why we did the insulin cap, 35 bucks a month. That's why we did the free vaccines for things like shingles and pneumonia. That's why we've got the $2,000 out-of-pocket cap. All those things passed and are being implemented already. The free vaccines are in for seniors. But then you got to look at everyone else. And it's hard enough to get this passed for seniors. You can imagine when we've got AARP on our side, yeah. what we're going to be dealing with with everyone else. But we can't stop here because they have literally owned Washington, but they don't own me and they don't own a number of other people that are willing to take them on, including the president. Well, to that exact point, is there any indication as to how uh, all of those bills that are working their way or that have passed committee that are working their way to the full floor of the Senate for a vote, how how they'll do? Um, because and we'll talk about this in a moment, but Republicans haven't exactly been falling over themselves uh, to pass any of any of this legislation anyway. I mean, there was no Republicans who voted for the Inflation Reduction Act. And thanks for making that point, Brian. So on the big ticket item, the Medicare negotiation that we led talking about with those 10 drugs that are going to be negotiated over the next year, we didn't get one Republican vote on that. I've never gotten leading the bill with 34 co-sponsors. They were all Democrats on that bill. So that's the one that we did with that 51 vote margin, that dramatic uh, overnight of voting where they were like literally seeing if someone will fall over. So we lose a vote. That's how close our margin and no one did. Which is which is a uh, which is a, a, a tough risk in, uh, in the U.S. government could be uh, could be could be rough sometimes. We got it done. So. 
Um, that was no help. These other bills I mentioned on patents, uh, we do have some bipartisan support for those bills. Um, and so that is helpful because we've got to get it through the House as well. And we're not going to have one of those five-day votes over this bill and over the patent bills, right? So I've got to find, at least not this year, so I've got to find a, another way to do it, and that's with the Republicans. So the hope would be to get them attached um, or have a week of votes just on this, and then we push them over to the House, and then it's it's on them. They better get it done because people are really mad. Like 80 90%, depending on what the question is, the American people are with us on that. They're pissed off because they know that they put the money into the research taxpayer money, and they also know that's why people go up to Canada on buses to get less expensive yeah. drugs. Um, people in my own state have done that. So people are really attuned to this issue. Um, and that is um, good for those that are trying to make change, which is the Democratic Party. Well, and the benefit of this, too, is that this would be a bill or these would be bills narrowly focused on lowering drug prices and making sure that your drug prices do stay down. And so it's not it, it would be more difficult for Republicans to vilify as this like nebulous attack on democracy or whatever, you know, whatever they claim it's going to be when it is just narrowly focused on bringing the prices of drugs down, which is not to say they won't attack it anyway, but at least it'll be easier for, you know, for people to recognize what that what, what these bills actually do. And I think that's really on people's minds right now for obvious reasons. And so the work that we are doing is the Democrats to bring child care costs down, which we're having trouble getting them on board on that. Uh, bringing yeah. When you ask people what they care about, ticketing, it is they care a lot about bringing costs down for their families right now. I mean, they care about jobs and good paying jobs. And and there's an incredible record uh, that the president and those of us in Congress that helped get us through the pandemic, helping our workers, helping our businesses, um, that has made a difference. And so, because they're the ones that get the jobs. Um, and now I will say the cost thing is really on people's minds. It always has been. And if you are too afraid to take on these big interests, um, then you're not going to be able to make progress. And so this was a major, major win and a major victory for the American people that were finally negotiating these drugs. And they're not just, let's pick out 10 piddly drugs. Yeah. <laughs> All that money in out-of-pocket costs. I realized it in August, everywhere I went after the announcement was made, at the Minnesota State Fair, at Labor Day events, just in a parade, people would come up and they're like, look, uh, my mom takes a Ralto or, you know, I take this Eloquist. It was kind of extraordinary. Yeah. They actually would mention the drugs to me. They were very attuned. And that's a problem for the people that are opposing us and for the candidates who are saying, oh, I'd roll this back. People are going to not only know what we have done with the insulin cap and with the free vaccines for shingles and the like, but they're also going to know what they're expecting to get down the line. And that's why I feel so good that we have been united on this. And when do these lower costs go into effect? So the ones I mentioned, which are big ticket items, a $35 limit on insulin, that's in effect now per month for seniors. What's interesting, and I predicted this would happen, some of the drug companies, major ones, have now said we're going to extend that to non-seniors. It's sort of hard to explain why you're charging a kid $100 a month and the senior is 35. So they're actually voluntarily doing it. And then we'd like to pass a bill for that $35 limit. The free vaccines, that is now. So people on Medicare can get their shingles, and which was costing them money. 
the $2,000 cap is 2025. That's for all out-of-pocket pharmaceuticals. And then the negotiation we're talking about goes on. I think the prices first hit first hit in 2026. Okay. But my, you know, everyone would love to do it sooner, but that's just because the negotiations are going to take a while. I think people are going to know what's happening and they're not going to want to rock backwards. But then when we start adding 15, 25 drugs, I believe those negotiations are going to go faster and faster. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. How does allowing Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices like this actually save the government money here? Well, think about it. The government, when I mentioned that copay number for our seniors, that's just they're paying out of pocket. The government is playing, in some cases, the bulk of this with the Medicare coverage for for pharma. So the government is paying a lot of money, billions of dollars for these drugs. So any kind of negotiation, and we do have a benchmark, the Veterans Administration, the VA gets really good prices on negotiations for our veterans. They should be able to do that. Medicare has been banned from negotiating. And so as a result, the sweetheart deal has allowed the pharmaceutical companies to get whatever they want from the government, from out of pocket for seniors, for the price of these drugs. This is a bit uh, a bit tongue in cheek here, but if allowing Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices lowers costs for Americans and it saves the U.S. government money, why don't Republicans support it? Why didn't we get a single Republican to support the Inflation Reduction Act? I really because we have looked at every side of this for any arguments they've made on things like innovation. We got an independent, nonpartisan congressional budget office score on this that just showed that that wasn't the fact. They say these things. And in the end, you got to follow the money. you got to look at the fact that there's three lobbyists for every member of Congress and they put hundreds of million dollars in an ad campaign. And that's where they're standing. We're standing on the side of where the American people are. Okay, let's finish off with this. Um, how how does it work in terms of adding more drugs in the future? Is there any way that that could be blocked? Is there is it is it written into the into the law that uh, we will continue to see uh, more drugs added ad nauseum, or is there, is there a cutoff? How does this work? Good. Like there's like starts with ten. Next year they add fifteen. The year after that, fifteen more. The year after that, twenty. I think it gets up to eighty. Okay. So if you're looking at this as a voter, as a citizen, uh, you've got to look at the fact that you want to keep in that direction and add more drugs. I would, Senator Sanders and I would have like done all of them, honestly. You got to look, do you want to like go in that direction or do you want to go backwards? Because you're right. It's just written into law. A president working with a Congress that didn't agree with us on this could reverse it just like that. The other way it could be reversed 
which I believe we're going to triumph, is in court. They are claiming, the pharmaceutical companies are claiming that it's some kind of a taking, that they're being forced to do this. It's very ironic because they don't have to provide drugs to 50 million seniors, right? That the, the, another company could or something like that. So they're arguing that it's some kind of a judicial taking, a legislative taking of their property, which just shows the hubris that they operate under. All right. Well, we'll leave it there again. As as I as I end up saying every time you're on, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm sure it's going to impact, you know, tens, if not hundreds of millions of people. So uh, with that said, Senator Klobuchar, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. It was fun to talk about this in depth as usual with you, Brian. Thank you. Thanks again to Senator Klobuchar. That's it for this episode. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, produced by Sam Graber, music by Wellesley, interviews captured and edited for YouTube and Facebook by Nicholas Nicotera, and recorded in Los Angeles, California. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. And check out BrianTylerCohen.com for links to all of my other channels. Thank you.